Welcome. This is Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. I'm Bill. And I'm Christy. We're psychotherapists, spiritual directors, and the founders of Soul Shepherding. On soulshepherding.org, you can find a treasure store of resources for your spiritual and emotional health and fruitful ministry to others. Most of these resources are free. You'll also find our books that you can purchase for your devotional life, a small group, or as a gift for a friend. We're so glad you've joined us for another conversation on life, love, and leadership with Jesus. Last time on Soul Talks, we talked about nurturing your marriage to bless your children. And today we want to talk about setting boundaries to bless your children. And that doesn't immediately strike our listeners probably as a blessing for them, for our kids, if we set boundaries with them. Most kids don't like boundaries, right? Right. Well, and that was the hard part about parenting for me too, Yeah, learning to set boundaries. I'd rather be a, a... a positive and yes, you know, saying parent and having to say no and having to set boundaries took a lot of energy for me. Yeah. It's just so easy for parents to just get swallowed up in the needs of their children, mm-hmm. especially when they're little, but really this continues all through life. Even when you have adult children in our stage of life, they continue to have needs. And, and we, and even if the, our interactions, of course, are probably a lot less frequent with them, but we really carry the, the concern for them and our love for them is just as strong. And we see the, the challenges and needs that they have. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you were better at this, Bill. I learned a lot from you in, in this, raising our kids. You think I'm the boundaries guy? <laughs> I do think you're much better at this, putting boundaries. I'm yeah. thankful for that. Yeah. Well, the key really has been that we, uh, just understanding that boundaries and structure uh, it's part of our identity as we develop mm-hmm. personally. And so our kids need this. They need help learning how to develop a separate identity and to become responsible for themselves and to differentiate between uh, what they feel and what we feel and uh, what's good and what's bad. And so there's many things to learn that go into the formation of an identity. And of course, all this comes in the context of the bonding and nurturing mm-hmm. and empathy and, and caring, that's the first priority in, yes. in building the relationship. Yeah. But then as a, as a child grows, and we call it the terrible twos when the kids start saying no, you know, or mm-hmm. mine, mm-hmm. and we don't realize that actually the, the capacity to do that is a good thing. It might come out in a way that, you know, is not kind and respectful, mm-hmm. but they're learning to assert their will. And that's something that we want to nurture now and form and shape in good ways. Yeah. That's right. And you would help me have the vision when the boundary was painful that, no, this is good for them, Christy. And you helped me to understand that. And Well, that started at, at the youngest ages, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when the, you know, child's not sleeping through the night and, and crying. And so, you know, how do you handle that? I mean, at one extreme is like, you know, let them cry it out. Well, eventually they'll stop crying, but that's not a good thing because they get scared. They feel abandoned. They, you know, learned helplessness, like their crying doesn't make a difference. They don't have any power. Yeah, it's it's depressing. So it's not good for the bonding and the nurturing that kids need. But on the other extreme is we just never let them cry. As soon as they cry, you're there all the time and you don't wean them off of that. And so that seems to meet the need for nurture, but it doesn't meet the need for boundaries. And they never learned any frustration tolerance. Right. And part of the frustration tolerance is when they, they're not getting what they want, they're learning to internalize their parent as caring and nurturing. So you've got to titrate the mix here between time that you're, you know, connecting and responding to your child with nurture and meeting their needs 
from holding them when they're upset to changing their diaper to feeding them to looking into their eyes with warmth and interest to listening to them with compassion and all these ways that we're bonding with our small children that's helping them to really connect but then we need to begin to show them that well I can't be there all the time of course part of the reasoning is because God is the one that's there all the mm-hmm. time it's going to be a while before they're going to figure that out so as they begin to have some frustration some what we were looking for is optimal frustration, mm-hmm. just enough that it, they begin to realize, okay, I've got to take this sense of security and compassion and so forth. I got to get that inside of me. I and mean, of course, it's not a conscious process. Right. We would help them with things like we gave them a blanket, pacifier that I would, you know, have them hold and feel and cuddle while I was nurturing them and nursing them and loving them and caring for them. But then when I couldn't be, and they couldn't be in my arms, they had that comfort that had already been paired with my love. Yeah, and most parents don't realize what a big deal that is. These are called transitional objects mm-hmm. in psychological language, but they're, they're sources of comfort that are within the child's control. You know, the little one can keep that on their person, you know, and, and the, the softness of that blankie or the, the feeling of, of sucking on a pacifier creates that sense of, okay, I'm, my needs are going to be met. You know, I'm, I'm cared for. Yeah. It's not all that dissimilar from a wedding ring that reminds me even when I'm not with you, Mm -hmm. I'm your wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gives us that object constancy and that reminder of the love and of the safety and the context and truth of the relationship. So the principle is that boundaries and points of acknowledging the separation between parent and child actually helps a child grow in a healthy way in their development. And this continues all through life. I mean, it's you know, really critical in these early months and years as a child is growing, the interplay of bonding and boundaries, but it, it continues on. And so we talked last time on Soul Talks in terms of nurturing our marriage when we had small children about the importance of some times that we would spend separate you know, from the kids. You know, say, you know, look, mommy and daddy you know, need some time you know, together for the next hour. And we just ask you not to interrupt us. We're going to have some conversation. And you know, so that they see that you know, our relationship is important here to us and they, they can't get in the middle of that. They can't mm-hmm. disrupt that. Yeah. Well, and time with God too. We would set some boundaries to protect our time with the Lord with that too. You know, there were seasons where they would even come into church with us and needing to set some boundaries there with, you know, they couldn't be talking to us or, you know, they needed to be able to contain their needs during that time. And also when we were praying or praying with my prayer partner you know, or at times when, we were needing them to stay in bed. And even though they you know, were having trouble sleeping, whether it be a nap time or but to, to have that time in quiet and learn to listen to God themselves. Yeah, we enforced nap time. Of course, we did that in a gentle, loving way. But even with our son who didn't want to nap, and I don't blame him. I know I remember being that way. Um, but we would say, well, you know, for this hour and a half or so, you know, I want you to stay in your room and uh, if you just want to play with your Legos, that's fine. But we needed that space and that time. And often we would use that time for, for personal devotions or for a conversation between the two of us and so forth. And setting those boundaries was important for them to learn to be alone and feel safe and to be alone and learn to explore creatively and not always be entertained and not always be distracted, which is a real concern we have now as we see so many children with you know, iPads all the time and video games and the constant distraction and entertainment there. Yeah. Limiting that screen time is so important for children, you know, for their developing brain, 
and just they're really they're developing person, their relationality, their soul care. So we had to set boundaries over lots of times when I wouldn't watch something that maybe I would have wanted or enjoyed to watch as a boundary because I just didn't want our kids getting used to having TV on all the time. I didn't want them being used that that was just that distraction, that entertainment was necessary, was just a part of life. I wanted a quiet home. Yeah, because we wanted our kids to be more relational, more in touch mm-hmm. with their feelings. We wanted them to learn to play creatively and uh, in exploration and to and play with each other and play with friends and be verbal and social. So we set boundaries as to what we let in our house through screen time. We had protections on the computer towards what, mm-hmm. you know, internet sites were accessible and we had protections in terms of what videos we would let them watch and how long it went and also what activities they could be involved in in the community and in school. Well, it's just relentless in our culture, you know, now in the 21st century, there are just so many wonderful opportunities for children in sports and music and, you know, all sorts of after school activities. And of course the, the church has activities as well. And so, I mean, you could just fill up every day of the week with taking your kids here and there for all these great opportunities for them to learn and develop their abilities. Yeah. Well, we knew a couple in our church that had two amazing young teenage girls. And so we were learning from them and, you know, what did they do that they raised such a, you know, great family. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they really emphasized was that they never let their girls be involved in more than one activity at a time outside of church. And they always put priority on the church activities. Yeah, some of the parents listening right now are going, one activity per child? (laughs) How would that be possible? Yeah, well, it was hard. And there were times I felt really guilty because I felt like my kids were missing out. I felt like I was withholding from them something that would be good for them. And I took a lot of flack from other moms who criticized me and felt rejected that I wasn't, you know, my child and, and I were not involved in the activity that they were leading. So it was hard. Yeah, but we would do one main activity outside of church. So church activities would be, you know, a second activity during the week, for instance. But yeah, yeah having one main activity really simplifies life, doesn't it? It really does. And it gave us energy to connect with God and with each other as a family. And that's the thing that's more important. And that's what I, I get really sad when I see from the, the, the families that I talk with and who are struggling with this issue. Because, you know, the, the cultural and peer pressure is just so uh, so hard in this area. It is. But we, we're giving our kids good things, you know, when we're taking them to all these activities. And we mean loving, we're loving them with that. And, and yet we can have too much of a good thing. And the good is the enemy of the best. Yes. And the best is family connection, connecting with God through that. And so if we are running around with pressure and uh, uh, hurry and anxiety and irritability because we're trying to get them to all these activities, and then on top of that, all their homework that needs to be done, then we're really squelching what's the most important in terms of the, the relationality and the bonding and the creative play and the development of the person and their uh, intelligence and so forth that comes in the context of the family. Yeah, that's really true, honey. And and having lots of external activities does increase the irritability and the pressure and hurry. And we don't love well when we're in a hurry. We just don't. Loving things don't come out of my mouth when I'm hurrying my kids to get to the next activity. And I'm frustrated when I realize that they left a key object they need at home, a ball or, you know, the 
the uh, shin guards or the banner for soccer or whatever, you know, those things create stresses that actually cause us to become frustrated with each other and not appreciate each other. Yeah. And it's so important in those moments that we become the kind of parent who can not respond with criticism and judgment and anger Mm -hmm. and but able to be okay with things not going the way we wanted them to go so that we're, we're more attentive and more patient and, Oh, we we forgot the shin guards. That's okay. We can go back and, and get them. Or, you know, I think today it'd it'd be fine to do practice without the shin guards and things don't have to be perfect. Well, and I think the other thing with those outside activities is that I found almost every activity our child was in had big demands on me. There was a fundraiser, there was volunteering, there was responsibilities, and that drained my energy. And then I had less to give to God and you and the kids. Right. And if we got three kids, that's three activities. So that's a lot of soccer banners and recitals, just mm-hmm. even limiting it to one. Yeah. Because we're also involved in church and we have our, our family life, you know, getting together with cousins and grandparents and so forth. And those boundaries enabled us to have most of our dinners together at home where we could converse around the table and share our high point of the day, our low point of the day, read the Bible verse from our family devotional that you created for us and have conversation about that. Yeah, that was so important. That was, you know, there's only so many priorities that you can make an imperative as a parent, but Mm -hmm. you just shared a couple of them there. Family time around dinner was like, we wanted to like hardly ever miss that. That was a main thing. And and so that was, as we said back then, we said, well, that's a hill we'll die on. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to hold that value. Mm -hmm. And then the way we did that dinner time was also very important to us. And so we would have we have conversation. Even when the kids were little, we started this and, you know, we learned it from our pastor at the time. It was just called it sharing your peak and your pit, your, mm-hmm. your high and your low. And everybody at the table gets a chance to share something about their day and be listened to without being teased or criticized or interrupted. But everybody gets their turn to share. Well, this is what made me happy today. This is what made me sad. And, and we would do the same thing. And so yeah. then as we would share, of course, we're sharing things that would be appropriate for our kids to listen to, but we're modeling for them that, well, you know, we have good things and hard things that happen each day. And, and here's how the Lord's helping us with that. And, and we wouldn't go on and on in a way that would overwhelm or bore them, but just give them, you know, enough so that they get a sense of, you know, we're people too, and they're learning about relationships and family and so forth. They're seeing us respond to each other with, with empathy. Yeah. And I think setting boundaries for ourselves personally is key in this because it's good modeling for the kids. So, I mean, even still, I'm really setting boundaries with my phone when I'm with our kids, even though our kids are adults, to just say, you know, I don't need to attend right now to my email, to my social media, even to texts that come in. I can just glance to see how important it is or whatever, but I can say, okay, that can wait. And I can respond later after we've said goodbye to the kids or and continuing to set boundaries even now with our adult children, with myself, so I can be present to them and to God in the moment. Yeah, it's so easy to live with our smartphones attached to our brains. Yeah. And that's stupid. Well, and <laughs> Smartphones can make us stupid if we're not careful. They can. And, you know, the kids really, they watch us. You know, I remember watching our kids with their toy cell phone, walking around the, the, the house talking, you know, having a conversation that was like mirroring, like a conversation they'd heard me have 
with a friend on the phone and thinking, wow, that's scary. Like how much they're observing me and copying my mannerisms and my words and their imaginary conversation on their imaginary cell phone. Yeah. You know, I often, uh, when I walk or jog around the lake near our home, I'll see young parents that are caring for maybe an infant that's in a, a front pack or in a stroller or uh, older children, preschool aged uh, or school aged children. And we'll see the parents, you know, on the phone. And of course there's a time to be on the phone. So right. I don't want to judge everybody. You don't yeah. know why somebody's on the phone, but you, I just see so much of it that mm-hmm. you know that, well, most of the time this is not really necessary. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is that there, that's a disruption in the attentiveness and connection to that child. So instead of this activity being an opportunity for parent-child bonding, it now becomes just an activity that we're doing, but we're not really you know, in tune with each other as we do it. And even when you have a small children, because one of the great boundaries that you set was, and I was so happy to give this to you, was that normally on Saturday morning, you would sleep in mm-hmm. and then I would take the kids because you know you were probably short on sleep during the week and you know, I'm, I'm working full time. And so it was just an opportunity to reverse things, you mm-hmm. know, and so I would get more intensive time and responsibility with the kids on those mornings. And so mm-hmm. that included me taking them, you know, on the, in the jogging stroller, you know, and uh, making pancakes for them, you know, and, and just having some, some daddy time. And we just really enjoyed that. And then you would get some rest, you would get some time maybe for some, some prayer and, and, and Bible reading and so forth. And but I'm so thankful that we didn't have smartphones back then. Yes. And I'm hopeful that I w- I would have done exactly what you said and and not gone to that because when you've got a, a young child that you're taking in your front pack and you're going for a walk, if you spend that whole time on the phone, that's time you're not saying to your child, "Oh, look at the ducks over there. Yeah. Aren't they cute?" or "Oh gosh, it's such a beautiful day. Isn't God good to give us this, this sunshine?" And even if your child doesn't yet know how to talk and understand those words, that's how they learn right. to talk. Mm-hmm. And they, they know the tone of your voice and they know the attention. Mm-hmm. They feel that. Mm-hmm. And when you, you're giving them you know, eye contact and you're giving them a soothing tone of voice, you're teaching them, you matter. I'm interested in you. I, I want to do life with you. I want to be engaged with you and bonded with you. And it's, that's so powerful for that child's developing sense of self and identity and their relationality and ultimately their relationship with God. Yeah, well, and you're modeling being present to God and not distracted always by other things and things coming at you. It's really important. I remember you would say to me, because it was hard for me to leave the kids, and you would say with me, no, Christy, go. It's good for them. They'll appreciate you more if you set the boundary and you walk out the door. When you come back, they'll appreciate you more. Yeah, you needed some tough love from me in <laughs> those did. cases. Yeah. Because, but, I mean, I needed to not put guilt on you or pressure on you, but gentle reminders and say, no, you're a good mom. And to say, you know, you need a break from the kids more than you think you do or more than you want to admit. And actually they need a break from you and they need to see that I can care for them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was the hardest thing to turn my back and walk out on my child who's Screaming and crying and reaching for me. <laughs> well, yeah, especially because there's a, a you know parts of a couple of days during the week that you're leaving the kids to go see yeah. clients and you know be a therapist and and so forth, which was giving you some identity apart from motherhood and contributing mm-hmm. to our household income, and you were caring for the children that way. But it's then for you to also take time mm-hmm. for your own self yeah. to go out with a friend, you know, for for yeah. lunch or something, or to, or to do your jog or ha- have fun. Yeah, you needed some encouragement there. No, this is good for all of us. Yeah, thanks for giving that. Will you pray for Uh, our listeners? I would love to. 
Oh, great God, we just thank you for your love for us and for our children. And we just especially pray now for the the young parents who are listening into this podcast, Lord, and these critical years with their little kids who are just sponges and just soaking up so much. And Lord, would just speak some words of encouragement to these moms and these dads about their love for their kids and how good it is and help them, Lord, to take with them an idea or two that would help them to just even be more uh, effective and loving and how they set boundaries with their children uh, for their own sanity and well-being and, and also for their children and their children's development. And so we trust you, Lord, to use these ideas and these conversations uh, that we've had here in this Soul Talks to bless our listeners, parents, and also grandparents who are pitching in and caring for those little kids, how we thank you for them and what a blessing that is for the, uh, the young parents. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this episode of Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. You'll find all our podcasts on soulshepherding.org. And while you're there, we hope you'll have fun discovering our other free resources to bless your soul and ministry. On Facebook, you can receive a daily encouraging word or prayer for me. Just friend Bill Galtier or follow Soul Shepherding. Until next time, let's keep in conversation with Christ.